Chapter Eleven of A Book of English Martyrs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. A Book of English Martyrs by E. M. Wilmot Buxton. Chapter Eleven A Group of Lay Martyrs. Fifteen eighty four to sixteen o one they found him so merry in god and so joyful of the next day's banquet which he expected that they were all marvellously comforted and edified the report of those who visited the prison of john finch the night before his martyrdom the infamous act of fifteen eighty five against jesuits seminary priests and other such like disobedient persons the practical effect of which as we have seen was to outlaw the whole of the secular and regular clergy for two hundred years had also a far-reaching effect upon the laymen and laywomen of the catholic faith for since the very presence of such priests in england was now high treason it became an act of felony for any person to receive or to relieve one under any circumstances moreover by one of its conditions the act laid down that any person not being a priest or deacon now being in any college or seminary abroad shall return within six months and within two days of their return take the oath of supremacy failing which they are guilty of high treason the penalty for felony was hanging for high treason hanging and quartering after being cut down alive and this awful fate was faced on one charge or the other by five lay people in the years fifteen eighty three and fifteen eighty four and by seventeen between fifteen eighty five and fifteen eighty eight there stand indeed on our martyr list more than seventy names of lay people out of the two hundred and fifty-three persons who are awaiting the title of blessed in this chapter we can but tell the story of very few of these and so will choose those who belong to the most stirring times of the persecution the period between fifteen eighty four and sixteen o one in those days when the catholic press is beginning to send out its voice in this land with no uncertain sound special interest is attached to the martyrdom of venerable william carter hung and quartered at tyburn in january fifteen eighty four for the crime of printing catholic books and pamphlets he had already tasted imprisonment several times either for printing such works or for not conforming himself in matters of religion until in fifteen eighty one he gained a year of freedom by giving a heavy bond as surety that he would not depart the realm but continue within three miles of his house in hart street st olives until he conform into orders for religion and come into divine service established by act of parliament also he shall not admit the access of any jesuit massing priest or seminary priest or recusant or keep any catholic servant or partner when a year later his house was raided by topcliffe 
and found to contain vestments chalices crosses and a large store of catholic books he might yet have escaped anything worse than long imprisonment had it not been for the action of one of walsingham's spies this wretched creature a gentleman by birth and received by catholics as a catholic met carter's wife in great grief at loss of him and by a pretense of sympathy wormed from her the admission that the mass furniture really belonged to a nobleman of high rank from whom she now hoped to win help for her husband this news was promptly sent to walsingham and carter was thereupon cruelly racked in order to make him betray those who had acted with him in the matter but though nearly killed nothing could be drawn from him but the name of jesus for eighteen months they kept william carter in the tower where he had the grief of hearing of his wife's death and of the poverty of his children but courage never failed the brave little printer though he must have longed for the day when his crown of glory should be won he was condemned on an absolutely unjust charge of printing a book inciting catholic english women to cut off the head of elizabeth as judith did of holofernes needless to say the pamphlet did nothing of the kind merely urging them to stay the progress of the schism by refusing to conform and go to the protestant services this fact was clearly proved by carter in his defence but to no avail he was bullied and shouted down to such an extent that he could but say with a shrug of his shoulders well god have mercy on me i see what the end will be by his side at the bar of judgment stood a priest also waiting for conviction and sentence to whom the martyr quietly turned and made his confession knowing this would be his only chance before the end and having received absolution cheerfully awaited his execution which took place on the following day his constancy and unselfish courage in returning again and again after his many imprisonments to the dangerous task of printing and disseminating catholic literature rank him high upon the martyr list and his epitaph might well be the words of his master well done thou good and faithful servant enter thou into the joy of thy lord john finch the lancaster martyr was another victim of that despicable band of spies who by pretending to be catholics acted the part of judas in the household of faith he was a young yeoman who with the aid of his sensible and thrifty wife worked his farm for some years without caring very much for the great questions that were agitating the rest of england then somehow the call to conversion came it may have been through the words of some hunted priest to whom for the sake of charity finch had given a meal and a night's lodging however it was he became with his family a fervent catholic and to make up for the lost years of coldness made it his special task to guide priests from one catholic house to another a dangerous bit of work that might well cost him 
life and liberty have discovered to him there came one christmas a certain man in the secret employ of the earl of derby who told finch that he was a catholic at heart and begged him to persuade two or more priests to his house that they might church some wives in the neighborhood hear confessions say mass preach and confer with some like himself who were desirous to be catholics and to be reconciled fortunately most of the priests in the north were engaged at the festival time in less dangerous districts but finch managed to get a certain father oscliffe to come to his house for such a desirable end meantime the wife of the traitor had sent her glove as signal to the earl of derby who rode down to finch's farm before it was light and arrested both him and the priest in their beds this was not the only act of treachery from which finch had to suffer instead of being thrown into prison he was kept closely secluded in the earl's own house in order that more probability might be given to the statement that he had not only betrayed father oscliffe into the hands of the enemy but also the names of many other local catholics whom he had seen at mass nothing shook his constancy however the pope's holiness is head of the whole church of god throughout the world and it is impossible for any woman or layman to be head of any part thereof in spiritual causes was his firm declaration which so enraged the earl that he up with his fist and gave the poor man a great blow in the face after about a year he was thrown into prison at salford where he found many other catholics and here a veritable purgatory of trial began for glorifying in his faith and especially in the martyrdom of blessed campion whom he loved better than any man in the world he was drawn to the church with such fury and barbarous cruelty as though they had drawn a beast to the slaughter taking him by the heels through the streets upon the stones in such sort that his head was very sore wounded and all the stones besprinkled with his blood after that they thrust him into a deep dark cold and stinking dungeon which was in the midst of a bridge where they pinched him with extreme hunger driven to despair his courage suddenly gave way and one sad november sunday he attended morning prayer at the parish church of manchester but his repentance was speedy and his self-inflicted penance severe contriving to get rid of his keeper for a moment he flung himself into the icy river crying yesterday i damned my soul and to-day i will destroy my body and so stood upon his feet the greatest part of his body being in the water and there continued still without moving until they drove him out with stones showing that his motive was not suicide but penance for the weakness of the flesh from that day he longed for the martyrdom that was to be his in a few months time and when he was condemned at lancaster for high treason he smiled and gave thanks to god it seemed indeed as though for the moment of that brief fall and speedy contrition he had been blessed and fortified 
in a rare but very wonderful way for those of his friends who visited him on the eve of his death found him so merry in god and so joyful of the next day's banquet which he expected that they were all marvellously comforted and edified upon friday the twentieth day of april fifteen eighty four the executioners came at the appointed hour this blessed man most joyfully bid them welcome and thank god for his infinite and innumerable benefits especially for this death which now he went to receive exhorted all the people to the catholic faith and to good life and desired a minister who was there not to trouble him for i am not quoth he of your religion neither will i be for anything you can say god give you grace to amend and so used very few words either upon the hurdle or upon the ladder but continually occupied himself in secret prayers and meditation until by glorious martyrdom his blessed soul forsook the body and was made partaker of the everlasting and unspeakable joys these two men are typical of the group of those who were condemned for high treason before the year fifteen eighty five when the new act made it still easier to secure victims who could now be hung on a charge of felony for having given a seminary priest a cup of cold water in christ's name we have seen in the last chapter how margaret clitheroe suffered at york in fifteen eighty six for harboring priests and that one of these latter had been father francis ingleby martyred some two months later on the same spot one of those who saw him going to execution was a young man named robert bickerdyke who had already been in prison on the charge of paying for a pot of ale for a weary and thirsty priest there he had lain for a year before he was brought to trial and acquitted this was in the summer of fifteen eighty five and when a year later father ingleby was on his way to execution robert bickerdyke going over the way to the tollbooth the minister's wife in the street in his way said to her sister who was with her let us go into the toll booth and we shall see the traitorly thief come over on the hurdle no no thief quoth he but as true as thou art these chivalrous words cost him his life for the lady never rested till she had obtained his committal to prison lest he should again escape they asked him at his trial the bloody question which had already brought the death of many whose part would you take if the pope were to invade the realm i cannot tell beforehand what i should do in time to come said robert cheerfully but i should do as it shall please god to put me in mind for which words they railed and called him traitor and thereupon indicted him but the jury perceiving malice in both the wicked judges and the merchants which for want of true crime 
would so imprudently by their deceitful and bloody demand entangle him with some offensive matter cleared him of all and gave their verdict for his innocency but the tigers were not thus to be balked of their prey and never rested till a less scrupulous jury found him guilty of high treason so gross a case of injustice caused some stir in the place even in those days all the country was amazed to see this young man so unjustly made away and some gentlemen meeting one of his judges asked him whether the young man's answer that he would do in time to come as it should please god to put in his mind was treason by any statute or law or no which demand he took in great dudgeon and said you do us no less injury than the traitor did at the bar when he asked us the same question we are not sent hither to scan and dispute the statutes but to give judgment against offenders our tale of the lay martyrs shall end with the story of a brave young waterman and two faithful women martyred at tyburn in fifteen eighty eight and sixteen o one a certain young priest named william watson had come over from Dowey, and had been arrested almost immediately after his arrival and imprisoned in the marshall sea in fifteen eighty six he was soon released on condition of leaving england within a certain number of days and while hesitating between duty and a desire for safety was again seized by the infamous topcliffe and flung into bridewell jail then being yet somewhat lacking in fortitude the poor young priest agreed to go once to the protestant church of bridewell and might have thus escaped further penalty of body but his conscience quickly smote him and he determined to do public penance by confessing his sin and weakness publicly in that same place for this he was thrown into a yet more grievous cell and so tormented that in his loneliness and misery he again had almost yielded to the persuasions once more to go to the protestant church at this point his unhappy condition of mind and body was reported to a certain gentlewoman named margaret ward who at that time was companion to a catholic lady of rank then resident in london having obtained leave of her margaret ward changed her dress and taking a basket upon her arm full of provisions went to the prison but could not have leave to come at the priest till by the intercession of the jailer's wife whom margaret had found means to make her friend with much ado she obtained permission to see him from time to time and bring him necessaries upon condition that she should be searched on coming in and going out that she might carry no letter to him or from him this searching was so strictly observed for the first month that they even broke the loaves or pies that she brought him lest any paper should thereby be conveyed to him and all the while she was with him care was taken that someone should stand by to hear all that was said 
we can well imagine however the comfort that the very presence of this visitor with her bright women's voice and encouraging looks brought to the weary and harassed young priest after a time vigilance relaxed a little and one day in hurried broken sentences watson told her that he had found a way by which if he had a cord long enough for that purpose he could let himself down from the top of the house where he was now imprisoned and so make his escape next time margaret ward appeared in the prison she brought him a clean shirt which she gave him folded up for it contained a strong rope wherewith he could make his escape she told him moreover in guarded language that between ten and eleven o'clock at night a boatman would be waiting below to conduct him over lambeth marsh to the river where a boat would be in readiness and so left him in very good spirits for the forthcoming adventure when margaret ward went to make sure that her boatman would keep his appointment she found to her dismay that he had changed his mind nothing she could say and no reward she could promise would induce him to take the risk of helping a priest and so incurring the death penalty himself as she was returning in sad perplexity to her mistress's house she met a young irish serving-man named john roach to whom she must have shown some kindness in past years for he was much concerned at her downcast appearance and begged to be of some assistance to her i dare not tell you she replied tis a matter of life and death so much the more for telling me said he since i would willingly adventure my life to do you a pleasure so you must do john if you would help me at all said she and that i gladly promise he replied at which she told him all her trouble at once john roach undertook to do all that was required and that night he stood below the priest's prison ready to conduct him to the boat that lay in readiness but as watson slid down the rope he dislodged a stone or tile which fell with such a noise that the whole house was roused roach was hurrying watson away as fast as he could across lambeth marsh when they found the keeper running hard upon them the priest gave up all hope saying sure we be undone for yonder comes my keeper but john roach bade him walk quickly on and turning composedly to the pursuer gave him good morrow so naturally that the man after a hurried glance in the half-darkness of the august night ran on towards the river surely they will take me there cried watson despairingly upon which the young waterman bade him stay and change clothes with him and so pass on to the boat this stratagem was perfectly successful as far as the priest was concerned for he got safely away by boat in the serving man's clothes but roach who probably ensured his safety by distracting the attention of his pursuers was taken by them in the priest's cassock he was examined what he was for at first they thought he had been watson the priest but he confessed that he was a catholic and had hoped the priest to escape 
for which he was executed at tyburn his happy lot was to die by the side of the mistress he had served so faithfully when the rope was discovered the jailer declared that it could have been brought into the prison by none but mistress margaret ward and she was accordingly arrested early next day they threw her into prison and wrecked a cowardice vengeance on her for the priest's successful escape she was flogged and hung up by the wrists the tips of her toes only touching the ground for so long a time that she was crippled and paralyzed but these sufferings greatly strengthened the glorious martyr for her last struggle brought to trial at newgate a week later she confessed with a smiling countenance that she had provided watson with the means of escape and no threats of any kind could force her to give any information as to the whereabouts of the priest liberty was offered to her if she would ask pardon of the queen's majesty and promise to go to church in reply margaret ward refused to ask pardon for an offence against the queen which she had not committed and expressed her relief that the queen herself if she had the compassion of a woman would have done as much under similar circumstances with regard to going to church she said i have been convinced for many years that it is not lawful to do so and i would lay down many lives if i had them rather than act against my conscience or do anything against god and his holy religion her courage and cheerfulness must have put fresh heart into the devoted young servant who was condemned with her and who suffered the pains of death and earned the martyr's crown with her on the thirtieth of august fifteen eighty eight the story of anne lyne another brave catholic gentlewoman who laid down her life in the cause of the faith is told by the dauntless and adventurous priest father john gerard who after undergoing every kind of torture in prison and daring all manner of perils in the pursuit of his wonderful work of conversion and reconciliation died at last peacefully in his bed he tells us that mistress anne lyne was the widow of a staunch catholic who had given up a fine estate rather than conform and had lived abroad in poverty till his death after that event she returned to england and sought out father gerard who saw in her simplicity and holiness of character combined with a good store of charity and wariness the very qualities he wanted for a woman was needed who should manage a house in which priests might find a refuge for a time when they had newly come to england or when they wanted to consult father gerard now head of the english mission he wanted moreover someone to manage the money matters take care of the guests and meet the inquiries of strangers and this work Anne Lyne gladly accepted at his hands. She was one of those ardent souls whose delicate bodies seem almost too frail a sheath for the strong spirit within, but instead of repining at her physical weakness, it was to her a cause of joy, for as she once said to Father Gerard, 
though i desire above all things to die for christ i dare not hope to die by the hand of the executioner but perhaps the lord will let me be taken in the same house as a priest and then be thrown into a chill and filthy dungeon where i shall not be able to last out long her delight was in the lord comments father gerard and the lord granted her the desires of her heart when gerard escaped from the tower in fifteen ninety seven by the daring and almost incredible feat of throwing a rope across the moat from the place of his imprisonment anne lyne gave up the management of his house for by that time so many people knew who she was that it would have been unsafe for him he tells the rest himself so a room was hired for her in another person's house where she often used to harbor priests one day it was the feast of the purification she let in a great many catholics to hear mass a thing which she would never have done in my house good soul she was more careful of me than of myself some neighbors noticed the throng and called the constables they went upstairs to the room which they found full of people the celebrant was father francis page s j who was afterwards martyred he had pulled off his vestments before the priest hunters came in so that they could not readily make out which was the priest accordingly they laid hold of him and began questioning him and others also no one would own there was a priest there but as the altar had been found ready for mass they acknowledged that they had been waiting for a priest to come while the catholics and the persecutors were wrangling on this point father francis page taking advantage of someone's opening the door got away from those that held him and slipped out shutting the door behind him he then went upstairs to a place that he knew where mrs lyon had had a hiding-place made and there he ensconced himself search was made for him the whole house over but to no purpose so they took mrs lyon and the richer ones of the party to prison and let the others go on bail god lengthened out the martyr's life beyond her expectation it was some months before she was brought to trial on a charge of harboring and supporting priests to the question of guilty or not guilty she made no direct answer but cried out in a loud voice so that all could hear her my lords nothing grieves me but that i could not receive a thousand more she listened to the sentence of death with great show of joy and thanksgiving to the lord god though she was so weak that she had to be carried to court in a chair and sat there during the whole of the trial being arrived at the place of punishment some preachers wanted to tease her as usual with warnings to abandon her errors but she cut them short saying away i have no dealings or communion with you then kissing the gallows with great joy she knelt down to pray and kept on praying till the hangman had done his duty so she gave up her soul to god it was at tyburn in the february of sixteen o one 
that god thus used the weak things of this earth to confound the strong end of chapter 11 recording by john brandon